Hello, and welcome to Playability, where we hold conversations at the crossroads of gameplay and accessibility. I'm your host, Rebecca Strang, and I'm joined today by Alex G. and Keith Ringer, who have worked together to create a Dungeons & Dragons character sheet that is more accessible to folks with dyslexia. Welcome to the show, y'all. Hi. Hey, hey. Great to have you here. So jumping right into things, um, let's talk a little bit about what accessibility means overall in gaming to each of you. If we could hear from Alex first and then Keith. Honestly, the the easiest way to say is it just lets me be able to play. Like I struggle with audio issues as well as dyslexia and other reading disabilities. So when I can't read or hear correctly, I can't play or enjoy things. <laughs> It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and you, Keith? Accessibility is... Um, D&D is such a, an all-encompassing game, and I feel personally like it's really easy for anyone to get a, a very high amount of value from the game itself. So, um, you know, it, it doesn't matter, in my opinion, it doesn't matter what mental, psychological, or physical struggles you might have. It, it's, you should still be able to play. And so that's, that was one of the biggest reasons we, we started making these sheets. Yeah, and I agree. That's one of the things I love about D&D in general is it's this whole open world and you can create whatever kind of character you want. And there's usually, if, if you have any accessibility concerns, there's usually some way that you can work with your DM to work around any of those issues. And so how did you all come up with the idea to create character sheets that are easier for people with dyslexia to read? Um, honestly, uh, I've never played D&D until I met Keith about half a year ago. And during game, I realized that I could barely read the sheets. I was struggling to the point where I almost cried of frustration one day. <laughs> so we were just chatting and Keith just went, hey, why don't we just make them? <laughs> and I had my laptop on me, so we, we made it. <laughs> That's awesome. It's great to have DMs that are supportive like that, too. <laughs> well, yeah, I uh, at this juncture in my life, I eat, sleep, and breathe D&D. I've, I've had almost, I think, six games a week at one point. And so I play, obviously, with a lot of different people. And I've found that actually a lot of them have uh, had issues with dyslexia. And it came down to a simple factor of Alex was having this problem. And I thought if if they can uh, do something with it, there's no reason that that couldn't then also help in my other games. So, and as one, I, I should come, I don't have dyslexia at all. I, I have no issue reading the sheet. It's never been a problem. And they're all I use now because as even without it, I find it extremely more concise, organized and overall better. Yeah. That's one of the things we talk a lot about on this show is that when you look at making something about a game easier for a specific set of people, you generally end up making it easier for everybody overall. So accessibility affects everyone when you think about it up front. Yeah. And when we when we made them too, there's there isn't just dyslexic edits actually. There's a bunch of little edits that I requested Alex make that I think make the game a little bit more streamlined and make the sheet more streamlined, I should say. Sure. And so what are some of the specific elements in the sheet that you've created that have been particularly helpful to players at your table? Well, one of the biggest things is a lot of people notice is that we made icons for things like strength and abilities and just made it a lot easier to associate a symbol with 
with what it's representing. So that way for people like me with attention issues, I'm not scanning the sheet. I can look at the photo, uh, the icon and I recognize what it is right away. Should comment. We didn't actually make those. That goes to uh, the Reddit user Luckpack. Awesome. And I recently did a D&D game with some of my nieces and little cousins. And I think that a sheet like this would be super helpful when playing with kids too, because character sheets have a lot of information on them. It can be really overwhelming. And I love how in the color version of the sheet, you've color-coded all of those skills with the stats that they correspond to so that even if you're not reading the words, you can correlate those icons and the colors together so that you can see where everything goes. Yeah, that was actually a request by Key's partner. Yeah, they, um, they said that they had difficulty in, in that area in correlating them. Awesome. And so what other feedback have you received since you've publicly released these? Um, honestly, I, I pay more attention to it because I have Twitter and everything and I see a lot of positive feedback. There has been some negative, but that's more of people questioning our choice in um, font, which after explaining why we picked it, they took back their statement and understood. It's a lot of Great for multiple disabilities, amazing for kids, great design choice. It, it's, and it's just been a lot of positive feedback. That's awesome. And I know um, I've seen a few offers of people wanting to help with getting these into other languages. Have you been able to take anybody up on that yet? Actually, yes. I just before this podcast, finally, actually, I've had it for uh, probably about a week now and I've just been so busy, updated the Google Drive with it. It now has German and Italian, as well as uh, Alex. I think there was what they put it on a Discord server or some such. Yeah, uh, I was sent. Uh, I noticed on Twitter that there was a German. Uh, there was German talking about the sheets, and I looked into it, and it was a Critical Role translation guy who does a lot of their translation stuff for fans. And they sent it into the Discord, and more people are probably going to translate it in the future. That's awesome. I love when the community can pitch in and help with things like that. Um, so do you have any plans for making any other sheep that are more accessible or for any other systems or anything? Um, I am looking into... I, neither of us have ever... I've, I've always been in d and I've never hugely touched on um, Pathfinder and whatnot. Sure. And I, oh, I've got a friend who's playing Pathfinder 2. I'm trying to see if I can get into their game so that I can potentially learn to see if we could um, add it to the document. But right now, that's that's really the big hurdle is, you know, you don't know what's important if you don't play the game. Right. So. Yeah, that'd be great. So how would you guys be willing to share, like, one, maybe one of your favorite moments in D&D that you've had? <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can hear the cat screaming, can't you? No, I was just laughing because I was thinking about oh. several moments, including this this past Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> uh one of our players is a pixie i believe and we're yes. in naval combat and she shoved herself into a cannon to be shot into a into a ship and caused a hole in it <laughs> that's pretty dramatic <laughs> that's just tuesday for us <laughs> that was probably the least amount of chaos i've ever seen her throw at my board so <laughs> <laughs> um and Alex, what kind of character do you typically play? 
Both of my characters are tieflings. I like being a long range character. It gives me time to like think things through and be like, I can plan multiple shots versus worrying about if my sword gets dropped or things like that. Mm-hmm. And Keith, do you play or only DM at this point? I do both. Um, I actually largely play. I dabble in DMing uh, with Alex, though. It's it's a very, very laid back game. I, I Monty Hall it a little bit, if you know what the term means. And I, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's mostly, you know, I've had so many people who just go, oh, you know, you need to teach him a lesson. Do this. that, and I'm like, I'm not trying to teach him a lesson. Let him have fun. I don't care. Yes, they're they're stupidly overpowered. It's fine. <laughs> and what's one of your favorite things about DMing and watching your players create these stories? Um, I like trying to watch the creativity, uh, the creativity and the characters. By nature, I'm a, I, I love stories. I, I'm a storyteller. Believe you me, I'm working hard not to talk endlessly on this podcast. Um, <laughs> and so I, I try to focus as a DM on with my group. It works very well in creating an encounter that I, I have no idea how they're going to get out, get out of it or get away with it. That's their job to figure out and let them throw chaos at it until it works. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's always fun to see what the players come up with. I've only DM'd one game, and that was the one that I mentioned earlier for my nieces, but I'll be doing my first one shot with my player group later this year, and I'm really excited because I love playing, um, but I my husband DMs our games, and it's always really fun to see like how he's going to react to the things that we do or what he's going to come up with. <laughs> So um, aside from the sheets that you've already created and shared publicly, are there any other tools that you use that help you with gameplay? Yeah. So me personally, I have attention issues. So I need physical representations or objects to help me keep track. Uh, Keith here has designed me specifically, uh, uh, what are they called? A decision tree. Yes. Decision trees that would help me keep track of what I can do for movements or what I can do for my specific attacks. Actions, bonus actions, reactions. Yeah, since it's a lot of information for me to process in short, uh, short bursts. We've also created uh, basically an assist and then says an initiative. Initiative uh, tracker. But instead of having our names, it has attack one, attack two, etc. It's very helpful when you play a fighter. And it uh, it really actually, as again, as I stated before, I, I don't have any dyslexia issues. I've The character sheets that, that 5e provides have never caused a problem for me personally. Um, and it was actually somewhat enlightening and eye-opening to see when you break down everything that, that happens over the course of a full round of D&D. It, it was a little, for me, enlightening to see how much my brain personally just kind of goes, yeah, I know that and, and moves on, but it's a lot of information. It's like, like we said, it's four different sheets of, for a decision tree. Yeah. The one round of combat, there's so much going on, especially depending on the number of players you have, you know, if one person's turn represents a six second chunk of that time, if you actually outlined all of that, it would be an immense amount of data for what happens in a combat. Yeah. yeah. Not- go ahead, go ahead, Alex. Like my character, I ha- uh, on Wednesday I have three to six attacks, maybe even more. Yeah, that's a lot to keep track of. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And how many players do y'all typically play with? Three to four. 
Yeah, three to four sounds right. Uh, Three to four other people there if you include the DM. So it's usually not... uh, Because, yeah, it's one, two, three, four players in a DM on Wednesday and three players and myself on Tuesday. Awesome. And so do you think the templates for those decision trees are something that you would ever um, put out there for other people to use? Uh, maybe. I, I haven't thought of it. Yeah, I hadn't ever considered that. I certainly could. It, it was easy enough. I, I was just kind of trying to show. I know uh, Alex follows it. We, you know, we get a, a, a die or a washer or something and they follow it down because it also helps, I think, with communication because, as Alex said, they like doing um, long range. Mm-hmm. And so they have the sharpshooter feet. So it's de- declaring whether or not you're using the sharpshooter feet, which changes the numbers around. And so... It, it at least initially very much helped with, oh, wait, were you using sharpshooter? Well, the washer was on it. So, yes. Yeah, I, I would actually be really curious to see like a write up about how you go about creating a decision tree, um, even just for their character as an example. I think a lot of people would find that useful in being able to pull that into their own games. I, I certainly could write something up. <laughs> Who knew you'd get homework from a podcast interview? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I never fully considered it because it was so esoteric to what we, uh, to our own game and to Alex. Yeah, it was one of those things where it's very me specific that I didn't really think it was super important to like share compared to the D and D sheets. But a lot of those things are very very universal. You can make blank spaces for stuff. You know, we've got reactions. They're tieflings, so they have hellish rebuke and whatnot. But mm-hmm. yeah, there, a lot of those could be decently blanked. Yeah. Awesome. Well, there we go. We've got a new project. <laughs> I'll look forward to seeing that then. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the suggestion. <laughs> Anytime. And so if anybody would like to find the character sheets or uh, reach out to you guys online for more information, where can they find those sheets and how can they get in touch with you? The sheets are on Reddit. My my username I'm decently ashamed of because I've <laughs> used it for everything since I was like 12. <laughs> I, I really, I wish that I had changed my username before I posted these. It's Inuyasha rules without the E. Okay. <laughs> I'm, as, as I said, I'm decently ashamed of that. But that um, they can be found online. Uh, Geek Native, I believe, wrote the original article that actually caused these to explode decently. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. You can. I'm actually not usually afraid. You can contact me on my email, k.h.ringer at hotmail.com. Um, that, and I know uh, both Alex and I do YouTube stuff. I don't know if uh, Alex is all right with their YouTube being out there. Uh, I do Twitch more now. Yeah, it's it's been a while. It's been pretty busy for me since I um uh, since I started a lot of this D and D stuff more. But Sergeant Sarge S G T S A R G E for for my YouTube channel that I haven't touched in a while. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to contact me, uh, Axel Nobody on Twitter, it's spelled A-X-E-L-L-E, and then Nobody, you'll see a Chikorita icon. <laughs> it's, it's totally a reference to Kingdom Hearts, right, Alex? It's not. <laughs> <laughs> I made the username before I played Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> awesome. And then we'll include links for where folks can find the sheets in the info section for this episode as well. And then it's been great talking about this with you guys. I could talk about this forever, probably. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for being on the show. And I wish you guys luck with, you know, I I hope these have been super successful. I hope that you guys can continue with doing stuff like this. It's really great. And I love all of the community. 
participation that you've had with it too. It's been really great and rewarding to see that. Yeah, it honestly, to be quite honest, this was one of my very first fully graphic projects that wasn't a stream layout. So seeing all the positive feedback, like just, I haven't stopped smiling. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And if any of our listeners have any questions or comments you'd like to share with us, you can email us at playabilitypod at gmail.com and find us on major social media platforms at playabilitypod. Thanks again for listening. I hope this episode helps you play with a new perspective.